Hello and welcome to the Lift Yourself podcast, a lifestyle podcast on fitness, personal development, manifestation and mindset. I'm your host, Laura Lifts, and I specifically created this podcast to help inspire and motivate you to become the best version of yourself. I will provide you with the tips and advice and all the motivation that you need to help you lift yourself to where you want to be. I'm so happy that you're joining me today. So let's get started. Hello, everybody. I hope that you are all well. This is future me from when this interview was recorded, but I was sitting and listening back to it as I was editing it up. And I just weren't happy with the introduction that I did for this guest. I didn't think it was an introduction that this guest deserved. So I wanted to redo it and make it better, (laughs) basically. So today I am going to introduce you all to the lovely Jodie Comer. Jodie is a sports therapist and she has a number of years experience within the industry. I have been to Jodie on a number of occasions for treatments and every time I seen her I always found her really approachable and full of knowledge that she wanted to share with me just to help me and my training and my general health. So I was so keen to have her on the podcast to share her tips and her views with us all and I know that you will all take so much value away from what it is that she's got to say. So going into the episode, I asked Josie to give us an introduction to who she is so we can all get to know her. I hope that you all enjoy this and I will speak to you all soon. I'm Jodie, I'm a sports therapist. Um, I graduated from university in 2013 and I started my master's in 2018. Um, so how I kind of got into doing what I do, it kind of dates back to my um, late teens. So I used to do a lot of dancing when I was younger and I started heptathlon when I was, um, what, around 15, 16, I think. And um, at a county competition, I was warming up for high jump, which was the second event of the day. And obviously didn't warm up well enough. I ended up tearing my hamstring, had to pull out of the competition, um, which for anyone who's been through an injury, like you, you're gutted, you're frustrated, you're upset with yourself. Um, you think, what could I have done better? What could I have done differently? Mm. And ultimately I ended up um, having treatment sessions for the recovery of my hamstring. Um, and the sports therapist who treated me, I'm actually still in touch with to this day, it's fab. And um, yeah, it kind of just sparked my interest from there, really, because I've I've always been intrigued with the human body and how it can kind of heal itself and adapt to training, adapt to different things. And <clears throat> I just, I thought this could be something that I do. I like working with people. I like investigating things and finding out kind of, what's going wrong or what's quite not happening for that person. And I just started to look around at different courses, came across Edge Hill and decided to go there. So that's kind of how I ended up doing what I do. Um, and then after that, what that was at 2013. So what about seven years ago now, um, working in private practice, just working with different sports people, um, amateur gym goers, people just looking to improve their own health and well-being and yeah just gone from there. <laughs> yeah and you so, yeah. you had your own you had your own like studio practiced in you and Allerton because that's obviously where yeah. I met you. I know that you went to 
pursue a career working in the performance industry and dancing and it's interesting you sit and you're telling me about your background and starting off in dancing that you it's probably been a bit of a reason why you've pursued that would you agree yeah, yeah, yeah. completely a bit of a full circle yeah and it's interesting <laughs> um, Oh, no, I was just going to say it's interesting because it's it's kind of like how you've, you've picked your child, what you were interested in your childhood. They say that that is genuinely like your passion. So you followed that. And I admire that in a sense of you, you've found what it is that you enjoy, what you love, and you've turned it into a career. And that's, that's amazing. Especially if you've got that sport background, you know, with like always being active and training and stuff like that. Yeah. One of the things that you touched on, which was I thought was really, I wanted to start off around the human body and how you say about it you find it quite fascinating and I do as well because one of the things that I find particularly when I'm training if I tell myself in my head that I can do something usually when I'm training in some way my body will find a way to get through so for example if I'm on a run and I'm getting to a point where I think I'm struggling here I can't go on for an extra the extra mile you know the extra mile let's say and I have gave myself a little bit of a pep talk. It's almost like my body will like kick into overdrive and, and the adrenaline kicks in and then I'll continue. And it's happened to me a few times in the gym as well, you know, particularly when you work until failure. What are your thoughts on that and how like the human body responds to what the mind tells it? I think that's it's really interesting actually that you say that because you can easily psych yourself out of doing things as well. So it's yeah. amazing that you've got that like capability basically in your mind to go right I'm gonna power through this and I'm gonna like just smash it yeah. um so yeah I think it's sometimes it is mind over matter um with things and I like my background in training more recently has been around uh, weightlifting and that's quite a psychological sport actually the, the more I got into it I was like this is actually really psychological because in my mind I would have 100 kilo on the bar to do a squat because that's a three-figure number, already in my mind, I'm like, am I going to be able to do this? But I could do 99.5 and it's absolutely fine. <laughs> so yeah. like, it's just, it is amazing that how your mind can affect your body, really, in, mm-hmm. in such ways, negatively or positively. Um, and I think in a lot of a lot of times with a lot of people you're actually capable of more than you actually think you are (laughs) definitely and it's true what you're saying about you can talk yourself out of things as well because you can immediately look at something like with weightlifting and think there's no way i'm going to be able to lift that and then you might surprise yourself if you're with like a a coach or a personal trainer or training partner and they're like no you can you can do it and they'll give you a bit of encouragement and then that almost gets you to to do it but i suppose it's it's good to have an understanding that you'll have a bit of both and when to use it at different times, particularly with your training. And yeah. weight training is around that progressive overload, particularly if you want to build your muscle. So is your training yeah. more, would you say, like a powerlifting style or is it general weight? Is it a weight? Is it like a push-pull leg split? What is it that you, you do in the gym? Um, It would normally have been broken down into um a bench day, a deadlift day and a squat day and then you work you you do those and then we would work like accessory movements and core around it so say for example um we're doing a deadlift day uh we would do obviously deadlift as a movement you work on the technical um elements of it mm. um not at full max uh, weight but obviously you do like percentages of that so again like what you say build that progressive overload and then the other 
exercises around that would like I say be a core exercise because that is so so important mm. um in training in general um but then it would also be things like um like a, a glute exercise or hamstring exercises which would in turn help your deadlift yeah so it would kind of that's how the training would kind of work and I found that it really worked for me it was really kind of like a, a nice variety of training mm. different exercises as well mm. um and I enjoyed doing the deadlift, squats and bench. So it's always nice to have that mm. rather than just always doing accessory work. Yeah. And they so say yeah, that's kind of how my training went. They say don't do it about like if you can get the compounds and the basics right, then you, you can build on that and they're the fundamentals for your training and strength building. And I yeah. think it's interesting what you're saying about how you'd split your, your you know, you'd train your hamstrings and that would then help with your deadlifts because it's probably around like your mobility I should imagine any yeah. flexibility to improve your lifting. With the, sorry, Laura, with okay. the, um, just adding on to that as well, if you're doing those compound movements like the squats, your deadlifts and your bench, they're bilateral movements, so you're using both sides of your body. So that's the point as well that you would kind of, if your, say, coach is watching you or you're videoing yourself, you might go, oh, I'm slightly, like, rotating here. Because if you're using, like, a, a mixed grip on a deadlift where one shoulder's externally rotated, the other one's internally rotated then you might be kind of twisting through your body. So then mm. you need to counteract that as well with your accessory training and work like the opposite way. So then you're not training habitual imbalances, if that makes sense. Definitely it does. And I know for me, speaking personally, I recognised during my early on in my like weightlifting journey, let's say, that I had certain imbalances and one side was stronger than the other. And the girl that I train with as well because I'd noticed when she was do a, she'd do a squat like one side of the bar would come up quicker than the other and it was like yeah. her, her left side's driving it up and then her right side's trying to catch up follow through yeah yeah and I think that's more common than what people realise particularly even on like things like the leg press as well I suppose bringing it back to what it is that you do for, for a living and I know that me and you had spoken about it when I come in one time how important would you say it is for people to come and get some treatment and invest in terms of sports massages if they have got things like muscle imbalances or just general like stiffness and tightness in the after weightlifting yeah so how I describe it to you as well and how I describe it to all like clients and stuff that I work with Regardless of what you do, whether you're an amateur gym goer or whether you're a sport elite person, people should be following some form of, of program. So say, for example, you're following a program that's eight weeks long. At the end of those eight weeks, you need to take some form of rest and recovery. So that could be like a couple of days or it could be like a whole week. So how I would describe it to people is when you're taking that um, like week's break or a couple of days break, that's the time to get in like your sports massage most of the time sports massage is like moderate to deep in pressure so some people might be a little bit sore and generally the advice after anyway having a sports massage is to not do um like moderate to high intensity lifting or exercise 24 to 48 hours after anyway so it kind of gives you a nice little window of opportunity to really kind of rest recover not just your body and physically but also like mentally as well and i think that time you can use to like reassess the plan. How well did the previous eight weeks go? Is there anything that you want to improve on over that time? Did you like taking a video? Did you realize that like your friend was pushing up one side more than the other? How can the next phase of your program develop that? And I think if you have 
a sports therapist, a sports massage therapist, a physio, osteopath, anyone, it's so important for clients to open up about that because the therapist can give information as to maybe why that's happening in the body and what they see, what they're feeling, um, but also give some like rehab exercises or Mm. rather than doing that in the gym, try this or rather than using a cable machine, try it with a dumbbell. And then that also gives a little bit of variety and variability to your training and you might enjoy it better. Yeah, and it's just Um, using alternatives, isn't it, to still achieve that particular goal. And I think definitely when I've had like sports massages, my body does tend to ache the next day. So I, I would be I wouldn't be then going into the gym and lifting weights because it's just it's not what your body needs. And I think it is important to listen. And obviously you give me that advice anyway, so I took that on board. Um and I think allowing your body to have that rest and when you're constantly putting your muscles under strain and tension tear it does need that recovery element in order to then get better and improve in your in the gym and your training and your results ultimately i suppose yeah completely definitely okay i wanted to touch on with you josie around the elements of stress so stress in everyday life stress in jobs whatever it may well be particularly with lockdown like people have been stressed and uncertain in your experience and your kind of knowledge what level of stress or can stress have upon the human body and muscles and how can that show in the body so interestingly i did a um, instagram story on this probably a few months ago now and the conversation was stimulated actually from talking about um emotion and stress and how that um puts itself in the body and the specific kind of client that i was talking to without delving into like personal details unfortunately went through some level of trauma and i was working on the it was their shoulder actually just working on their shoulder and around like the upper traps and i'll explain why i'm talking about this and the more i was working into it the more and more information they were they were revealing to me and i was like wow and afterwards i kind of just reflected on it and i thought to myself due to the trauma they've gone through has that manifested itself somehow in their body and the more i kind of thought about it after that i i kind of put it down to if stress and anxiety causes most of us to probably to try and like lift our shoulders and you get more and more tense and irate through the shoulder and just rock solid and that can potentially lead to tension headaches because of where the attachment is at the base of the skull so if we've got this stress element in the body anyway the muscle tension is starting to develop and you're getting this tension headache so if we can somehow delve into that level of trauma or stress that's affecting us whatever it may be and you're able to release that maybe verbally or in the gym or talking to someone whether it be a therapist your doctor or even just a friend or family member you might actually be able to release some of that tension that you're actually feeling yeah. um yeah i just find it so so interesting it is <laughs> I, I agree i'm the same um i think it's i don't know if it's like trapped energy or it's just something that's it is trapped so it, it it then manifests within the physical body in some form of like illness and there's a there's a netflix documentary called heal i don't know if you've seen it 
Um, I haven't. But it's worth it's worth watching, and it's got I talk about him quite a lot in general in podcasts. But I don't know if you know Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's in um that documentary, so you'll obviously know about his background. So he talks about how like people have healed themselves using the mind and the body, and um illnesses and diseases have have appeared on like healthy people because of certain past traumas or experiences that they've been through and I find it really fascinating too and I think particularly with like speaking from personal experience if I'm like if I was like stressed had a day of work where I'm really stressed like my my shoulders can get really tight and tense in general because if you're at a computer and you're like hunched over that's quite common as well isn't it and then imagine having that tension in those shoulders being completely unaware of it going to the gym and training your back or your traps. Mm. If you then think of how your shoulder blades are sitting and you're trying to do like retraction exercises, if your shoulders are already up by your ears because you're so stressed out, all you're doing is making them tighter because that's, that's the only true. muscle that you're using to do that retraction that's exercise. True. You're not thinking of using those lower traps, the rhomboids, getting that activation through your lats. It's all happening in the upper body. So all you're then doing in the gym, unfortunately, is adding to the tension well it's interesting that you say that because how many people go to the gym straight after work so say if they've had like a hectic day in work then they'll go and do like an upper body session like they might like they might not realize that they're holding all of this tension and then they're going to train it so that's even more important i suppose why people do need to warm up and and stretch before they go into that training but i don't know what else would you suggest that someone pick stressed or whatever or they've had so people use the gym as like a de-stress don't they but then they go and train and they've they might be holding this all this tension in the shoulders and stress how can they release that before going into the weight section would what would you say i would personally work on some breathing techniques yeah just to try and help me relax um is the 7-eleven i think they say the seven um, seven counts in and 11 breaths out. I think that's the... Um, like controlling it. And, yeah, to try yeah. and relax the breath and re- kind of reduce your heart rate and stuff. And mm. in turn, that will help to relax through your body. Um, the thing is, the gym is a great escape for people. So I'm not taking anything away from the gym being that. But maybe if if you've had a really busy day and you're feeling that tension through your shoulders and you're aware of it, work muscles that aren't specifically like that area mm-hmm. so if you know you've had a really like rubbish day in work you're feeling so stressed the kids won't leave you alone do lower body instead or yeah like just do an interval session on the rower i don't know just, just, <laughs> just adapt your training to ad- adapt and change so you're not because otherwise you might go in and you might feel really disappointed because you think oh i feel so much more tense coming out of that than i did when i went in and then you might not enjoy it then you might not go in the gym for a couple of days anyway <laughs> yeah so yeah that's a really good point and I think it's it's good that you touch on the breathing element because I I find that really beneficial as well but I tend to do more breathing techniques like first thing in the morning or before I go to bed but it's interesting that you say just before the gym because I suppose one of the most important things is your breathing when you're training particularly when you're lifting or even when you're running you know doing any form of cardio having having your breath work right is key isn't it in order to um get the right level of performance that you can actually achieve so around like if someone was new to lifting weights and I know we were talking about the muscle imbalances earlier on I know when yeah. I first started lifting weights and I didn't really have a clue let's say 
I would just do things and maybe not do things correctly in terms of hitting the certain muscle groups that I wanted to hit if I didn't have that level of education. In terms of your profession and you see people coming in all of the time, what advice would you give to someone who's quite new to lifting weights? And- so, so for me, if someone's if someone's brand new to the gym or to any kind of training that they might do, whether it be the couch to 5K or running, I keep coming back to this point, but it, they need to have a program and they need to be following some kind of structure. Because if you aren't following any kind of structure, you're not going to see improvement. You you might get frustrated. And sometimes that can be the, the reason that maybe you have injured yourself. Mm-hmm. So say, for example, um, I don't know, they're, they're brand new into the weights and into the like um, heavy lifting, say. And all they're doing is upper body or all they're doing is just quads and it's all quad dominant exercise. Well, after a period of time, the muscle will adapt and obviously adapt to the training and everything like that with progressive overload. But they might start to cause a little bit of patella tendinopathy. And then they're thinking, well, why is that? And then they go and see someone and they say, oh, well, talk to me through your training and everything. And then all the exercises they're saying that they're doing is very quad dominant. Mm. So it's like, well, no wonder why you've got this pain. Because if you actually look at your training exercises you're doing, you're not working your glutes, you're not working your hamstrings, you're not working your back, you're not working your core. So that structure is so, so important in relation to not only just general kind of um, like fitness and progression and building muscle or losing weight or whatever your goal may be, but it's also so, so key in the like the re- reduction of risk of injury, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of controlling that and controlling the load that you're putting in your body. Because again, coming back to that point I said earlier about rest and giving yourself that kind of recovery time, some people don't schedule that into their training or into their weeks or into their training block. And then they wonder why they're not hitting the numbers that they were six months ago. Then you look at the hours that they're doing in a day. They might have increased their work by an hour. Then they're trying to still do the gym on top of that. And then it's it's that load management. They're, they're doing too much yeah. and they're still expecting the same performance from their body. So yeah. therefore, my advice in that situation would be just have a couple of days off, have a week off, go for walks, go for like active recovery, do a swim. I don't know. <laughs> just do something to still keep active, but just give your body that little bit of time to like relax recuperate yourself before you go back in to your training mm. and there is there are people who are the extreme of like no days off and constantly training and like you say they're just winging it they'll train this whatever they feel like training on that day and yet they will start to question like well why am i not getting the, the results what i want and you'll start to feel like a little bit disheartened and i suppose speaking personally for me I would, I, there was a period of time where I was constantly training and it would, it would take me more willpower to have a rest day than it would to get into the gym, which is mad when you think about it. And one of the things that lockdown has taught me even more so, because it did start to get better, was that having a break from the gym will not mean that I'm, my body shape, shape or type is just going to change suddenly and I'm going to lose all this muscle and fitness and, and where I'm at. So I think sometimes it's the fear element of like, uh, I, I need to keep going because if it, if I don't go, then I'm going to gain loads of weight or I'm going to lose all my gains. And it's it's just, I don't know, it's, I think it's just your mind playing tricks on you and having that rest. So 
the quote that comes to mind when you say that is Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. And it works both ways. You can't expect you to look like you've got, I don't know, say you want a six pack as your goal. You can't expect that to happen overnight. And in the same respect, you can't expect your body to just like fluff out <laughs> because you haven't been to the gym for a day. No, definitely exactly. not. And going for a walk sometimes, like that can do your body a lot of good. Like just getting for, going out for a walk in fresh air. And I think a lot of people struggle with the whole like not seeing the results straight away. And that's when they tend to give up. Whereas if they stuck it a little bit longer, they, they don't know how close they are to getting the goals and results, what it is that they want. And it, it's yeah. getting that balance, isn't it, Jodie? It's getting that balance yeah. of like being consistent, allowing yourself to rest so you don't burn out, allowing your body to recover so you can perform better at your next exercise. And then it's all like, it also will reduce your chances of injury as well. Yeah. It's so interesting, again, that you say that. The time that I see that little light switch moment or light bulb moment in a client is, unfortunately, when they've had an injury, they haven't been able to do what they've wanted to do in the gym or their sport. They have that little light bulb moment of, I worked too hard or I just do, did too much on this and that's why I broke down. And that is a really important aspect in the rehabilitation and injury kind of journey, because next time you'll learn about that. And as you kind of carry on through your career or through your like gym like schedule, you become more in tune with your body and you kind of know what feels right and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps like for people like me, that helps when people come in before the injuries happened because they felt mm-hmm. something slightly not feel quite right Mm. yeah so that's the point that i know i've done my job right because i'm educating people about their body and how to feel things know when it doesn't feel like it's quite working and then they come and see me because it's like it's that saying prevention's better than cure isn't it and i know i think probably what triggered it for me was in the similar situation to what you described when i had that i had like a twinge in my upper back I think it was my right lat and it was so tight and um, I just I thought no this is this is scary and it's real I think sometimes people feel like they are almost like invincible and they're just not going to get injured when it comes to training and any of us can get injured it doesn't matter how young how fit you are how long you've been training for there's always that risk so I, I, I totally like agree with what you're saying in in the sense of you need to be keeping on top of it and maintaining it as opposed to getting to a crisis situation where you can't train for, for weeks on end and then that'll impact on you more in the long run, won't it? Mm. And again, coming back to what I was saying before about people kind of coming in regularly and like having sessions, say, every two months or every three months, say, they might not be aware that their particular, say, their um, right lower back might be a little bit tighter than normal and the therapist just says what what have you been up to recently in this like training your glutes or training your core what have you changed changed your training at all because i'm just noticing there's a little bit more tightness in this right side than normal and they might go oh actually you know what i did like i don't know a tough mudder or something really yeah. random and you're like well that's completely out of your normal training regime so no wonder why this is feeling this way but they might have been struggling with a squat mm. or with a lunge and they're like, oh, when I'm doing a squat and a lunge, this is really sore. And it's like, well, the catalyst in the whole thing isn't the fact that it's a squat or the lunges. 
it's the fact that you've done something completely out of your normal that's started to like make this feel tighter or mm-hmm. change your movement patterns and that then brings a compensation movement pattern which causes imbalance i see so what do you think about kind of i'm speaking probably selfishly here but just with like the whole lockdown and not been it being able to go to the gym a lot more of my training has been like hit training running i've got some little weights and kettlebells and bands but it's not quite the same do you know what i mean so yeah. that's a change to what i've been used to for a good number of years so when i go back to the gym would i be and obviously i know i can't i won't be able to go back to lifting the weight that i was but I suppose what I don't want to do is go back into the gym, obviously all super eager, and then get myself injured because I haven't worked certain muscle groups and I know I haven't in a little while. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So with that, the key to it is progressive overload. Mm. Slow. Going back steady. to yeah. yeah. So say, um, I don't know, you go in and you want to train legs. Pick exercises that are fairly similar to what you've done, but just add a little bit of weight to it. So Mm. say at home you might have been doing squats and lunges um, and things like that. So maybe do some goblet squats or some split lunge um, kind of exercises with a dumbbell or hold a plate out in front of you and perform. RDLs, yeah. Yeah. So kind of, so you are still doing exercises that you've done already. So you're you're not all of a sudden just doing loads of hamstring curls and loads of leg extensions and isolating those muscle groups because you'll be dead sore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's just doing movements that you've done already and just adding a little bits of load. Yeah. Gradually. Yeah, definitely. And I think I probably think of more of like my upper body because I haven't trained like a lot on my back, for example. Um, even though I love training back, so I know usually if I go to the gym and then I'll train and I'm really, really sore the next day. And obviously I know that it's called DOMS, isn't it? Delayed onset muscle soreness. What are your views on, on DOMS? Because I know sometimes people say like, um, oh, you know, if you're not sore the next day, then you haven't worked hard enough. Do you have the same view or are you more of like, no, that's not the case? Um, I would say... If your DOMS are severe enough that you can't do anything, you've probably worked way too hard in the gym. It's, it's really interesting in the, in the therapy world, in the medical world about DOMS, because there's a debate as to whether DOMS is actually a grade one muscle tear or whether it is just soreness. Because everyone is very tolerable to it in different ways. Mm. So we could do exactly the same exercise, exactly the same weight, I might have more DOMS than you and be completely out of action for a week, but you're only out of action for a day. Yeah. So the, that's where the medical um, kind of look on it doesn't quite like fit in line and doesn't yeah. agree because we're doing the same exercise. So essentially we've had the same load, mm. but we responded very, very differently to it. I, suppose. I don't agree with more more is better um my kind of view on training and on movement basically is that it's more about the quality so there's no point going to the gym squatting 100 kilo if you can do 10 reps really badly (laughs) but if you can do two reps really well just do the two reps yeah because what you're then doing in the other eight reps is training bad habits 
course. And that poor, poor technique, again, leads to potential injury. So, yeah, I just... I think when people do start to kind of come back to the gym out of lockdown, thinking about a warm-up, thinking about kind of activation exercises, maybe working those more kind of larger muscle groups or more kind of compound movements like what you were saying before, but add in those little accessory movements that are probably a little bit more enjoyable, like that pull-down or the tricep extension, I don't know, um, because they'll be the things that you actually probably enjoy rather than all the compound stuff which you've been doing through lockdown anyway. Mm, yeah, definitely. And it is just about working with your body and listening to your body than just going full force back into something and expecting yeah. that you're just going to be exactly the same point you was like three or four months ago and it, it doesn't work like that. And like as you touched on, you don't want to be getting an injury and getting your form wrong and trying to ego lift in some ways I think that's that could be quite common can it where it's like I need to get all this, all these reps with this weight and then I've achieved something it's like no if you can just do two when you get your form really well great like leave it at that and then drop the weight and just deload as you like yeah so it's um I mean how gutted would you be if you've had all this time in lockdown out of the gym you're week one back in the gym and then you injure yourself oh, because you've just done something I'd be devastated. That's really silly yeah. You'd just be devastated, wouldn't you? Yeah, literally, really was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I don't think I'd be able to cope. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, so, I wanted to move on a little bit away from the fitness side of things for now, if, if that's okay, and touch a little bit on kind of mindset. Because, as you know, I'm really big on mindset and personal development, and I've been following you for a good little while now on Instagram, Jodie. And one of the things that I've noticed is, and through conversations that I've had previously with you, you're big on um, kind of career development, self-development, and I find that really inspiring and fascinating. So I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions on that, if that's if you don't mind. Um, so I know that you were working full time prior to lockdown happening um, and you were also studying. And then as we've hit all here, you, you had your training program, which you were following. So that is like a really, you've got a lot going on there and some people might think, oh, I don't know how I'd manage that. So what tips would you give or that have helped you in being productive and achieving any goals that you've set for yourself and staying on track? So, first of all, I have an amazing support network. So, I think that massively helps. My parents are so supportive. My husband's so supportive. I've got really, like, close friends who are so supportive of everything. And I could literally go to them with anything and we'd have, like, a discussion and a debate about it. And then I can make my own informed decision on kind of how I move forward with it. Mm. And I suppose when I was kind of thinking about working on to my master's, I know in my head where I want to be in five years' time, in ten years' time. So I've got... It sounds so sad, but <laughs> I basically... I write down where I see myself in five years' time, I'll put it in an envelope. And that can be around jobs, that can be around my life, career, personal development type stuff, and what I want to achieve. And I'll do the same for ten years, twenty years. And... Um, and when that time comes, I'll open that envelope and see if I've achieved it. Mm -hmm. 
Sounds dead Absolutely. sad. No, it doesn't. I find that really helps. Yeah. And, and have you have you <laughs> hit have you hit that when you've written it five years ago? I don't mean I don't know how long you've been doing it for, but have you? Have yeah, you actually, actually done it? right, we did it as a. Um, oh, when was it in GCSE when we were at school? Yeah. It was in like the PSHE kind of um, lesson, and I actually came across it because when my parents moved, obviously everything got boxed up, and mm. I finally got around to go through these boxes, and it was in there. So that was what? That would have been about, well, what, 16, is it, GCSE? So about yeah. 12 years ago, Jesus. And actually on there, I've got, I have achieved stuff and so I couldn't good. believe it. Yeah. So it kind of like prompted me to do more of them because yeah. I thought, wow, like, because you actually look back and you think, how far have I come? And it's kind of kind of going down that um, positive affirmation type route where I've written that down and that's, there for a reason and i've achieved it for a reason because i've asked the universe for it and it's happened for me like that's just crazy Mm -hmm. so i kind of just the more i kind of think about it i think i've got to keep doing this because it's not only accountability for me but if i want to achieve it and i ask the universe for it it will find its way back somehow yeah and i love that you write it down and i love the fact that you you know you write it in terms of like five years and more even more so recently i've been doing the same i actually write my goals out all the ones that i'm trying to manifest and work towards every single morning now so if you think you're putting in the envelope sounds sad i literally write <laughs> out every morning and it's because I mean, they say the key to it, isn't it, is is having it in your mind and then taking the action in order to get get where you want to be. But then almost like letting go of the how you're going to get there and trusting that it will come and that you will be given opportunities and you follow the opportunities to take you. But if you don't have a plan and if you don't write it down, you're just going to end up floating around and not going anywhere. So I think it is even so important to actually have an idea of where do you see yourself and you might not get it spot on it might even be something better and that's one of the things that they they say don't they like you can write like your goals and then write this or something better underneath because it's you're being open to possibilities yeah but if you haven't got goals you're more likely to not be as productive with achieving what it is that you want yeah completely and it's not even just having that goal and finding a way to reach it it's the little detours that happen along the way and the people that you meet along the way that might divert you slightly because Mm. you think i like that's where i want to be but at this moment in time it's not going to happen right now so i'm i need to do that first before i can progress to that and again you kind of have to be a bit open to it and a bit aware of kind of what's happening around you but i suppose if if you don't have that or if you want to kind of, I know five years and 10 years time is obviously a very like long time away, but generally day to day, what I try and do is actually just do like a to-do list. And mm. I mean, you could probably like, don't get me wrong. I can have 50 things on this to-do <laughs> list to do, but realistically, I'm not going to achieve those 50 things. So it's better if I just have like, say five key things mm. I'm actually going to get done that day. And that makes me feel so much better at the end of the day. I feel so much more productive I feel really proud of myself because I've achieved what I set out to do. And I know that's getting me one step further where I want to be five, ten years down the line. Definitely. So, yeah, probably the little little tip I'd say is do a little to-do list. And I think as well <laughs> what you can do is you can you can actually create, like, your daily to-do lists off what your big goals are. So you could look at, like, one of your big goals and think, well, what could I do today that's going to get me one step closer to that? And then you can use that within terms of whatever it is that you're prioritising. 
um and particularly like if your goal is like get your master's well spending like an hour doing some work or writing the assignment that is going to get you one step closer to getting your your master's degree so yeah and that's completely how I felt during lockdown at the moment. <laughs> my exam's done, getting my dissertation done. I know, done. yeah, I bet you've just been like, I bet you've probably not really known what to do with yourself much because you are such like an on-the-go person and productive and you've had all this time. Yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, um, how can I put this? <laughs> I didn't I didn't know how to chill out or how to kind <laughs> yeah, of... Yeah, I even relate to that. <laughs> yeah, so... I was kind of on, on, on all mm. the time. So I think it, it has actually been so positive for me, honestly, this lockdown, because I've kind of taken a step back. If if I needed a rest, I'll take a rest. If I if my, my head isn't in my university work that day, I won't do it. Because I know the next day, that makes me feel a hundred times better. And I'm so much more productive. And I get probably more done than I would have the previous day if I'd attempted to sit down at the computer. Mm. So, yeah, I think kind of coming out of lockdown for me, I think I've definitely learned to kind of relax. <laughs> <laughs> and it's almost like taking a rest day for your brain, isn't it? You know, like we were saying about taking a rest day from the gym. Or you could write yeah. something on an assignment or whatever it is that you're working on and then go back and read it the next day and think, what was I writing? Like, this, none of this makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why it's even more important to have that break and, like, come back with a fresh head. Um I find as well, like, I'm more tired in the evening, like, I'm more alert in the morning, so that's when I try to be, like, get me more productive times in the morning. But everyone's different, and I suppose you've got to find what, what works for you. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's yeah. Good. But, I mean, I know when, just before lockdown happened, you moved to London and you got a new new job. Um, yeah. And obviously you've not been able to work, and I think everyone's really frustrated at the moment or industry i mean where are things at at the moment so i think it was a couple of weeks ago now i read an article which was uh, an mp with um andrew lloyd webber and they were discussing how musical theater can kind of come back and there was evidence to suggest that with the coronavirus the spread can come from expiration so obviously the more people are exercising or increasing that rate of expiration, the, the more uh, risk of um, spreading. Yeah. So they said um, that basically musical theatre could return, but they just couldn't sing. But that's not musical theatre. So yeah. it was kind of a bit like, well, how, how can they return? So I think they were talking about the theatre audiences being social distance which is fine because they would just remove seats and obviously they would be um like sectioned off but i think after was it yesterday i think they released the information about the gyms and everything um i was probably a little bit controversial with what i put on instagram <laughs> and asked the question because <laughs> i didn't really I can't see the difference between an indoor gym being open and people going in and exercising and expiring and everything compared to a dance company or a musical theatre company or a performance being put on stage, which mm. is also indoors. Definitely, I agree. So yeah. I think since that, there was probably a little bit of uproar within the industry um, and probably more questions that have been asked to like the government and everything. But in general, I think... The arts have got through lockdown, or people have got through lockdown because of the arts. 
the TV, podcasts, music, um, I don't know, films. Hamilton, I mean, was on Disney Plus. <laughs> and that's like that has <laughs> such a good true. response from people. And, I mean, yeah. and that's theatre. That's like that's the arts for people. Yeah. I know my company were putting out watch parties, so they would have like performances which went out on Facebook so people could watch them for 14 wow. hours. I mean, some places you might have to pay near on like I don't know 50 pounds for a ticket to go and see some of these things mm. and it's there for free wow. <laughs> so people people have need for the arts and yeah. in general I think people are keeping good spirits because I think most people in the arts are quite positive people <laughs> um and we know we can always bounce back because it gets us through everything mm. so I think the arts is really important and it's been lovely to see different people from different um, industries like back in the arts, whether that be in sponsorship or donations, or even just like supporting by watching like the watch parties or Hamilton and tweeting about it. I don't know, just like <laughs> things like that. It's all support for the arts, and yeah. I think we'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> like the gyms have opened. I think the arts will eventually get there, and cool. it will just thrive. And it's important that it is an overlook because it helps so many people. And again, it's like it uplifts people and they enjoy it. And it's that switch off. It's that entertainment. But it's like it's creative and we need that in the world. And it's similar to um, the beauty industry where the guidelines are really vague and unclear. And I don't, you know, I was reading some of the things that they've suggested, but it's like one rule for one, one rule for another. And I mean, I know me and you aren't going to change what, what they say but I just think it's like we can try Laura we can try <laughs> well you never know yeah we can um, I just think it's just it's just frustrating and I think it can be disheartening for people particularly when it is the passion and it is the career or if it's just a hobby whatever it is um, and, and I think within the arts as well it's not just the performers it's not just the actors the singers it's people like me the medical staff all the backroom staff the teaching staff the technicians in the theatres that do the lights, the sound, every like so many people and so many jobs that are in the arts, and and I genuinely, I genuinely feel as soon as it comes back, it's gonna hopefully it's gonna boom. Yeah. I reckon everyone's gonna be like, yeah, the theatre's open, let's go. I know. I think I'll oh, no, be going. Yeah because you do you miss it and you don't really it's not just about the people the performers on stage it is a big it's a big production isn't it and then everyone's just as important in terms of their role and not being able to be a part of that and have that within their own routine it is it is hard and it's it's it can it's just difficult in general it's just a really not a very nice time at the minute is it with that but i suppose as you said for yourself speaking personally you've you've found lockdown quite useful and you've pulled out some benefits from it and I know that I have as well and I think that is the only way really that you're gonna get you're gonna get through it and it's not to ignore if you are feeling like down or low or upset that's normal it's to embrace them emotions but no it's not gonna last forever and things will start to change and I think people just feel a bit out of control and when you feel out of control that can like increase like your overthinking and anxiety and stuff like that yeah definitely and I think within the arts as well they're creatives yeah and other people as well will be creative in this time they might have picked up a new hobby they might have learned how to crochet random something very random (laughs) but and it'll go big yeah but Mm. think of how like creative the next few years will be that's so true so if you've 
picked up a hobby or something, you might continue that on for another five years. How amazing. Yeah. You wouldn't, you might not have ever done that if this hadn't have happened. That's so true. It's like me with this podcast. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but it's a good point what you're saying. I think what will happen, similar to kind of like, you know, when you look back at history and like the 2000 and eight you know when they had the economic crisis and that was when a lot of big businesses were produced off the back of that period that lull and even when you go back years and years ago in history it does tend to be a time when new things come about and people create new things and there's a bit of a change and hopefully it'll be a change for the better in a sense of the way we as we view the world we treat the world and we treat each other i suppose and if it can if it can have that impact then it's been worth going through. Do you know what I mean? Because it is that long-term effect, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Okay. <laughs> going back to um, how you cope in terms or manage, I should say, with self-development and improvement. And one of the things is, is when you're making a decision on maybe changing something in in your life or going for a particular goal and it is out, you, out of the norm for you, and you can sometimes get opinions of other people that might not agree with what you're doing. I know you touched on the fact that you've got a really good support network, which is great. And I think that's massive. Like, that's so important in order to help you progress to where you want to be. But when you're faced with a situation where someone might not agree with what you're doing or they might have a different opinion or how do you allow not allow their thoughts or views to hold you back if you're solely focused on what it is you want? I think, first of all, it depends on who it's coming from. If it's coming from a person you love and who you respect, I would listen to what they have to say and then make my own judgment on that. If it's coming from a stranger, so what? (laughs) (laughs) I just take take it with a pinch of salt and go, okay, I've taken that on board, I've listened, but I'm still going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. I think... I I can be a bit of a dreamer. I think of things like, oh, that's that's amazing. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. And I think my husband. I'm not saying he's like a negative like anything, but he he does kind of bring me down to earth a little bit and kind of and kind of goes through the practicality of it. So he's not saying don't do it, but he's saying that's fine. We'll we'll make that work. But how are we going to do it by following X Y Z? So I think that helps. Um, but yeah, I think if it comes from a stranger or someone who you don't really know or respect, like I say, listen to what they say, don't be rude about it, but just take it with a pinch of salt and know that the path you're on is the one that you want to be on. And if you know in your gut that that's 100% right, follow and listen to your gut completely. Definitely. And it's following your intuition and listening to your heart. And they always say your heart never makes logical sense. It's your brain. When you're thinking with your brain, that's when it's logical. If you're thinking with your heart, then that's when it's not so logical. And you're thinking, this makes no sense, but I'm just being called to do this. And that's yeah. when all like the trust element of, and following your intuition and getting into alignment all comes into place with the universe and knowing that um the way i look at it i think if you've got something it something if an idea has been put in you for a reason and if that idea won't go it's been it's been planted within you for a specific reason that's my view and i know some people think yeah. that's a bit woo but yeah i i am of the same view if someone even if someone knows me 
and I, I'm not particularly close with them and they might not agree with something that I'm doing if I know I'm not doing anything wrong and I enjoy it and it makes me happy and I know I can help other other people in the process then I'm going to continue with that and I think sometimes a lot of people do allow their thoughts and opinions of others to hold them back and it makes me sad like I know I did it years ago because I'd think oh well it's a bit different and I wouldn't want people to laugh at me or say this and it's like no I appreciate what you're saying if if there's someone like you love or your family then you respect their views but they should also still respect yours <laughs> sorry because <laughs> they, they still don't have to listen mm. uh, and oh, I mean sorry you don't have to listen to them um, but also, if if you flip it on its head, they need to listen and appreciate what you're saying, Definitely. and appreciate the the information that you're speaking with them about, whatever that may be, is maybe something like you say you've been thinking about it for years, and all of a sudden you go, no, I need to do this now. And if they're saying no, do this, do that, do that, why are they saying that? Are they saying it because they don't want you to progress? Are they saying it because I say they don't want you to move away? They mm. they might be saying it for more selfish reasons for them yeah. rather than thinking about you it can be their own limiting beliefs as well if they don't believe it is possible then that can then um transpire onto you and your thoughts and where you're at i don't think there's any harm with having like a bit you know being a bit of a dreamer you said that you are i don't think there's any any wrongdoing in, in wanting to improve and i think it 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 does pay off if you stick at it so but there yeah. are always going to be people who don't agree with what you do and that's that's life I suppose and that's the way that I've just started to kind of learn with like deal with things yeah. that you're not going to be able to be everyone's cup of tea and so be it <laughs> yeah yeah completely okay okay is there anything that you wanted to touch on Josie that we've not spoke about um no I think I've definitely covered everything that I've wanted to say <laughs> I think we've Have gone on I think we've like yeah. done a big full circle, haven't we? Uh, I've really enjoyed it though. It's been a good chat. Um, we've covered a lot of different things, and I think people will find it really useful. Thank you. No, I've really appreciated you asking me to come on and speak on the podcast. And yeah, it was lovely. Thank you. I oh, know. Well, thank you for coming on. Mm-hmm.